What's up, everybody? I am your host, Zach. Hello, hello, and I'm your host, Noah. And this is the Fast Informative 15 podcast. Now, uh, this podcast was designed to bring you long-form conversations, put them into bite-sized pieces. If you don't have time to listen to a three-hour podcast, no problem, that's where we come in. We break down influential and current event podcasts into a 15-minute summary of the most important information they talked about. Our goal is really to spread key info fast, efficiently, and boost the speakers as well. So we do hope you enjoy it. Now, this podcast we're about to get into is really about issues involving social media and the race to the bottom of the brainstem, needing to harvest your attention longer using more social media or social validation or social narcissism. You know, what company is going to figure it out first, who has done it already, plus the global effects of the tech. And that's really the gist of this one. And it is a mouthful. I would like to go ahead and get into some introductions. So let's go ahead and hear from the speakers. So we had Tristan and then we had, who else? Um, Tristan uh, Harris and Daniel Schmachtenberger. Uh, I am Tristan Harris and uh, came on this show about a year ago after The Social Dilemma came out. That's probably where most people know me. Um, And uh, used to be a design ethicist at Google studying how do you ethically influence people's attention and thoughts and behaviors. Uh, And uh, really enjoyed the conversation last year. The reason that today I'm here with um, Daniel Schmachtenberger, who's really uh, a person I've learned so much from the last few years and why I thought it'd be a good through line, is that the issues of social media, which I know we're going to talk about today, are connected to a number of other issues that are going wrong in society that are all kind of interconnected. Right. And then so that was Tristan. And uh, the other person didn't get a chance to introduce himself in the podcast. His name is Daniel Schmachtenberger. He's a founding member of the Consulates Project. Um, That's aimed at improving public sense-making and dialogue. Just so you know, he's had particular interest in the topics of catastrophic and existential risk, civilization and institutional decay, and the collapse, as well as the progress collective action problems, social organization theories, and uh, the relevant domains in philosophy and science. That's a lot of words. Basically, he's a very smart individual who knows a lot about tech and uh, had a lot of interesting things to say about technology, social media as well. As a quick kickoff, you know, know, what was your thoughts on your end just of this whole podcast? It was like the most mind-blowing thing. If I had to put it real simply, it is the underbelly of technology and how it's affecting our minds and the really the world as a whole right um overall for me yeah i mean overall for me just i was i was kind of baffled with the complete difference between how a dictatorship runs their tech companies and their country and then how democracy are is utilizing their tech and their country and how vastly different they are and what the restrictions are i thought that was very interesting and i'll talk about that here in a second awesome man you want to kick us off with some interesting facts yeah um first fact so whether or not you know this, things that are controversial, no matter what side you're on, especially on Facebook, social media, those get the most clicks. That's where the money is at. So these companies have optimized their ad revenue and it really, to show you negative things, and it polarizes the population. Social media's take on cynical you know, viewpoints and everything, it spreads faster, but it keeps your eyes on the page longer. And again, that's more money for them. So what mm. we thought overall was to bring us together to connect is actually pushing us apart. Yeah. 
speaking of that, here's like a, a negative uh, that it causes. So Francis Hogan had a study, and this is uh, from the book, The Calling of the American Mind, that, uh, and that's by Jonathan Haidt. Instagram causes one-third body image issues in young women. One-third right. of the body image issues in young women is from Instagram. And we have inflating beauty filters. So on TikTok, whether you know this or not, 2%, there's a 2% beauty filter on always. And we know that people like to look at pretty things, better looking so you're, people. <laughs> so wait a minute, there's a there's already a filter that you can't, like when you go into TikTok, there's just a filter there already that you can't yes, control. There's a filter that you can't control, it's already on. And the idea was, well, if TikTok didn't do it first, some other company would. Yikes. That's the race uh, he, to the bottom of the brainstem. That's right, recall. Um, here's a great quote from the podcast. We are, as a human race, we currently have paleolithic emotions still, medieval institutions, but we have God-like technology. Kind of the theme of this podcast was, what do we do about that? How do we control that? Uh, as humans, our, our paleolithic emotions, what that meant was they were built to assume that what I've seen with my own eyes is a shared reality. So when someone's biases are to assume that other people have seen that same reality, when they look at their feed, they think that you've seen it too. So when they, and, and that's their reality. So when someone disagrees with you or you disagree with them, a lot of times you're believing that you're, that person is literally disagreeing with reality itself, which is why it can be so polarizing. Hmm. So what we got is, this was referenced, it's just on uh, Russia and Chinese troll farms have been using Facebook to essentially rip apart Facebook groups. Also on the American side, because it's way more free range. So for example, of the top 20 Christian sites, 19 were run, or still are run, I guess, from a European troll farm, Eastern European mm -hmm. troll farm. They're not even real of the top 20 Christian sites. Now, as of October 2019, a couple of years ago, 140 million Americans a month were being reached by troll farm activities. Troll farm is essentially just either a group of people, a company, or an AI, and they make fake accounts repetitively, and that's how they reach out to people to get a you know, process done. Mm -hmm. Now, 85% of the people who saw the information from these groups actually never accepted it. So on Facebook, you can make a group, and you can send 20,000 invites, and Jesus. you could get one. And even if you got the invite, but you didn't accept it, you're still going to end up seeing some of their content, whether you wanted to or not, because Facebook is optimized for growth. This leads to a lot of problems. For example, the top 15 pages for African-Americans, two thirds are troll farms. Of the top 15 Native American groups, one third are run by troll farms. And I know just to add in there, what those troll farms are meant to do is cause dissension. They're meant to cause trouble basically in America and, or at least influence our culture in a negative way. So they're meant to cause uh, issues. Now, no, do you know what AI GPT-3 is? I do not. Okay. It's, it's a mouthful. And I encourage all our listeners go on YouTube and type in open AI codex on YouTube it is, it's pretty interesting, but essentially it's a software that writes code for you and you just tell it what you want. So essentially I could type in, hey, write me an article arguing for guns written by Zachary Nix. Mm. Now write me another argument against guns written by Zachary Nix. Mm. And it would generate it. So it's software that reads everything on the internet, grammar, mannerisms, and the problem is at this point, it's almost impossible to tell if a human wrote it or if a robot wrote it. 
Right. Um, and this can lead down to these, these loops where we can create fake stories and then they can get boosted by troll farms or other AI. So essentially what the whole podcast is about is being worried about what's real or not, what we're seeing. Like, mm. it's just, how do you tell? Yeah, it, that whole thing, by the way, can be summed up, excuse me, stochastic terrorism. So basically when an, an already predisposed um, group that's you know predisposed to acts of violence, they can be radicalized and pushed easily to actually take action and be violent. That's stochastic terrorism. And it's using, in this case, AI or um, you know, far, troll farms to cause that. So you could use like an AI to be like, hey, send a group invite to every veteran in this zip code in whatever state you want. Right. Like China. I mean, that's an example. Yeah. Um, which brings me into China, what they're doing. Um, in the last two months of sweeping, what they did is some updates. So they have their version of TikTok. I forget what it's called, but it's, it's got like, uh, obviously a Chinese name. <laughs> if you're under 14, <laughs> instead of getting like in America, I have younger siblings. I see their TikTok, what they're showing here. It's like you get on TikTok, basically get influencers dancing and it's just like big butts everywhere. I mean, that's my opinion. That's what I see all the time. I'm like, okay. Now, if you're under 14, it is very different in China. So right now, their children are only shown at-home science experiments, museum exhibits or walkthroughs, patriotism videos. They want their kids to be like engineers and astronauts. Also, they're limited to 40 minutes total a day and the app shuts off. It doesn't let them use it. Now, if you're scrolling too fast, you know how you get into the infinite scroll? Well, if someone's scrolling too fast on their version of TikTok, it stops them, a mandatory five second delay and a message pops up. It says, hey, do you wanna get up and do something else? It actually suggests they get off the app. Well, yeah, they have opening and closing hours as well. So from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., if you're under 14, it's closed. <laughs> For their military, every single military personnel has a locked down phone, so no external info <laughs> on us. And the reason is veteran pages are constantly targeted. They're easier to radicalize. They're, they're trained already. It's easy to use AI to plant seeds in their Facebook feeds that lead to something bigger. It's called an info bomb, which is, again, why democracies right now are being way more affected than a dictatorship in terms of how the governments run or where this technology is very prevalent. Mm. Um, Facebook only traffics and spreads negative views on other parties. There is a 2018 algorithm update. So if you've ever noticed on Facebook, there's nothing positive about any person. It's always right. pushed to the top. What's negative because your eyes are looking at it longer. It's ad rev. Right. Um, China's statement multiple times is that their biggest threat is not the U.S. It's not Russia. It's not another country. It's actually their own tech companies. Mm. Netflix biggest competitor they're stated is sleep, right? The race to the bottom of brainstem is who can get your attention the longest. Right, right. So, you know, speaking a little bit more on Facebook, it has the most users out of any other social media. It has 3 billion users, which is nearly half the world's population. And that is pretty crazy. Right. Um, you know, here's an interesting study. There was a, a Thanksgiving study done in 2016 that looked at zip codes that had the most media and political advertising. Um, and the more that zip code had, the shorter the Thanksgiving dinners were. So it was a mass study in, in the U.S. with geolocation on their on people's phones, and it showed that the dinners were shorter. And not only that, they actually sat further away from each other inside the home. And it was because of typically political differences that admit that they you know divided the conversations and made them uh, angry at each other. And that's why the dinners were shorter. 
This is called the perception gap, by the way, like a definition, if you want to know it, it says that the more time someone spends on social media, the more likely they are to misperceive what the other tribe quotes beliefs are. Um, so basically they become more desensitized to other humans, beliefs and emotions and whatnot, the more they look at social media. And the way that breaks down is basically extreme voices participate more often than moderate voices on social media. And when they participate, they share more extreme views. So you think that you're getting a sample of what everyone in the world is, is thinking or feeling, but really what you're getting is a very small sample from a very small sample of a very small sample. And what those samples are, are extreme people with extreme views who also post a lot. So basically you're just getting a sample of the worst of the worst, not what everyone feels. It's, it's a very small sample. That could be very yeah, polarizing. Tell them about Taiwan. Right. Um, so Taiwan, this is a, a little bit of a, a hopeful idea of kind of what happened in Taiwan. Activists stormed the parliament peacefully. They sat outside the parliament. They brought a ton of computers and Ethernet cables. They set up a Wi-Fi network. They actually hacked in and they built an alternative civic engagement platform where people could debate ideas earnestly. So here's the biggest difference opposed to Facebook, these other algorithms that show negativity. The most unlikely consensus that was found was upregulated as opposed to the most negative. So it was where people came to an unlikely uh, conclusion and where they were sharing ideas back and forth, that was upregulated, not the negativity. Um, and yeah, tell us, uh, tell us about some social media and the hypernormal stimuli. So with the race to the bottom of the brainstem, it is all about what can you put in front of somebody that causes the most stimulus to keep them engaged. So social media has caused a hypernormal stimuli of the original thing. It's like comparing the relationships of fast food to real food, like how you feel, or like porn to real intimacy, or dating apps to meeting people, or social media to real relationships. It's all a hypernormal stimuli of the original thing itself. Um, here, here's a little of a bright side, though. What he recommended to as an alternative, as a healthy social media platform, is, is to ask this question, is what would I need to change my mind about how I feel about this? Um, so this could actually be facilitated on a new platform, or that would be the, the question to ask. And then people would have to go from that question. What, what would I need to change my mind on this? So they, they mentioned a real potential of an open democracy on social media, but the social media would be designed to GPS as a GPS router for choices that create more meaning meaningful uh, decisions and better relationships as opposed to more isolation and anger and negativity. Now, GDP is often measured as a good metric of a country for whatever reason. Um, it's talked about that GDP is not a good metric for health of a society because it goes up when war goes up and when addiction goes up. So what would be a good metric of the health of a society? Daniel suggests that a good metric is actually the inverse of addiction in society as a whole. Mm -hmm. A healthy society produces less addiction, less escapism, yep. meaning more sovereign people, individuals in the community, more purposeful. Addiction creates a spike in pleasure and then an erosion of the person's baseline health in general. Which Right. So less addiction, meaning better people. Right. Right. Um, so here's another good, a little bit of a hopefulness in this. Daniel and Tristan recommended digital literacy education of what is actually happening on social media sites in your brain. So literacy, meaning the psychology of how it's affecting you, how the marketing actually works in your mind, how the algorithms work, you know, knowing it's half the battle. So this could be the start of fixing the issue with just knowing more about it. Now, Apple, if you guys 
notice that Apple has some updates in the last year. Um, did you notice how on your phone it says allow app tracking or not? You now you get an option with all apps. And this yep. is kind of yep. like the people have this belief that Apple may be the white knight on this. Apple prevents cross app tracking or at least gives you the choice. Apple could, you know, change the game. It could remove all the social media apps from its platforms and make an app that has no control over your feed or algorithms to control you or keep your attention. Right. And Apple's really in a unique situation where they could look at the amount of usage per person and do a global study to find out where people are the most addicted to their phones and what they're looking at, which countries right. are struggling the most. And perhaps that data could be the start of, you know, how to help fix the issue. And that's one thing that, Tristan and Daniel are hoping, you know, that their podcast would bring up to the Apple. Right. Yeah. For developers. Um, you know, one thing Daniel really said he wanted a lot of people thinking about is he called it the meta crisis. How can we focus on avoiding or, you know, helping this inevitable meta crisis? And he said, it's focusing on the right criteria. So if you're adding technology, social media, whatnot to, to the world, to the society, and it affects the society, in a big way, it has to be following these different measures. It has to be increasing the quality of democracy. It has to be increasing the integrity of the market as a whole, increasing the quality of families and mental health. So if you look at those foundational things and it doesn't meet that criteria, it's failed the design criteria, you can't pass it. So how do we continue to make technology that meets those criteria? And again, more meaningful choices, more meaningful relationships. So to summarize the end of this podcast, here's a banger, as always, to chew on. All right. So we're ready for the big chew? Yeah, dude. (laughs) Tristan said, why TikTok is not considered a major immediate national security threat, I still do not understand. He said, if Russia in the Cold War was running the media program for the United States for all of its youth, that would be like what China is doing right now with TikTok. This is called the borrowing of mouths to speak. The CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has listed this as a strategy of how they can actually steer culture in a way that helps them look in a better light. An example of this is if someone speaks positively about the CCP on TikTok, they can easily give it a boost of views to accentuate their perception of their country. So basically, if you speak positively about it in America, they can just give you a bunch of views so you look better, so they look better as a country. They're completely altering the reality through TikTok. It's got a billion users. So that's a lot of information there. I do want to mention that, of course, we have the original link to the podcast in the description. Listen to it if you can. And again, sharing is caring. Don't forget, fast informative 15, and we'll see you guys next time. Stick around for a little bit if you want to see some some funny things. Technology can show you an infinite feed, like on your Facebook, for example, that Maximili, <laughs> Max O'Milly, is that right? Maximili? I can't even Max. say that word. Max. Uh. Basically, <laughs> tech can show you. <laughs> Social media takes like the cynical, 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 cynical view on like any of those issues. That's a lot of bloopers. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. Bloop, bloopers.